0: This episode is brought to you by DRJ Academy. Here at DRJ Academy, we're able to take an entry-level person with no experience in business continuity and get you through that difficult first year on the job. DRJ Academy is powered by Disaster Recovery Journal and Lambert Learning Institute. Visit www.drj.com academy and get started today.
1: Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Aspalis Advisors. Today, I'm super excited because we're going to be talking about elevating risk management. Today, we have Diego Palacios, and he is the assistant vice president and senior business risk consultant with FM Global. Diego, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Vanessa. Thanks for having me. (laughs)
1: Thanks so much. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and how you landed in risk consulting?
0: Sure. Um, So I am with FM Global's Business Risk Consulting Group. I started my career as a financial auditor with PricewaterhouseCoopers, and I was presented an opportunity with FM Global to join their team to be part of their business risk consulting practice. It's actually all about trying to make our clients more resilient. And I thought it was really nice opportunity because I get to work on different industries across different sides of the companies. And really with the core focus of, you know, trying to make our risk managers, you know, understand their risks a little bit better and be able to translate that to their senior management. So it was all about the great opportunity and get to work with different clients across different industries and really help and add value.
1: Well, that's, that's really the purpose of risk, right? It's, how do we help you to make better decisions? How do we help to make sure that you're not getting caught off guard? Um, awesome. So when you think about resilience as an interdiscipline is how I see it. What does resilience mean to you?
0: The way I look at resilience, it's all about survival of the business uh, continuity of services to your clients. And ultimately, you know, what we want to do is preserve market share and protect shareholder value. That's the way I look at resilience. And so all the things you can do to protect the company from some catastrophic event, uh, that's what it's all about being resilient. At the same time, we wanna be ready for those worst case scenarios, right? And so being ready and being prepared for a worst case scenario, is just gonna make you much more resilient. So you've gotta be ready for all the unknowns. So you have different things that could impact the company or a business, right? I mean, you would have never thought 2020 would have brought A pandemic that affected the entire world the way it did right and so i I look at resilience that as looking at those worst case scenarios
1: and being planned out for those what challenges do you see regarding risk and resilience
0: well the challenges i see are the way that our clients have to articulate the risks that their organization faces and so when you look at the challenges are really just messaging to your senior management Uh, We want to try to have our clients understand what their business risks are. And what we do is we try to quantify those risks and more in business terms. That way they can articulate that to their C-suite, to their senior management, and obviously, hopefully drive action uh, towards those.
1: So when you think about the title of our podcast, Elevating Risk Management, and to your point, right, so there's two things you said, Articulating Risk and Messaging. So what are some of the typical roadblocks that block successful outcomes so that we can elevate risk management?
0: One of the things you have to get is senior management buy-in and approval. So that's sometimes can present a challenge. And so in order to articulate a message, uh, what we believe and what we think are the key priorities in risk management, we have to be able to get their approval. And typically to get their approval, you have to provide sound judgment you got to provide objective, measurable financial data to be able to convince those different leaders in that group. So that's probably the biggest one is getting senior management approval. And obviously, you know, trying to get priorities. and, And, you know, you only have so much money to spend in risk management. And so if you're able to prioritize and you're able to provide our clients with a list of what are their key risks and what are the priorities of those risks and which ones have the biggest bang for your buck then you're able to optimize those risk management resources.
1: So I have another question for you. What's insurable from a risk perspective? And, and, and I am not a person that has a lot of experience in insurance. So I am a student right now in the front row of your class.
0: <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Uh, typically what you see in terms of insurable risk is what we see. Uh, you got property loss and you have business interruption loss. And what I mean by property loss, obviously it's the physical damage and the replacement of property, right? From some kind of event. Uh, From a business interruption loss, that's typically loss of revenue and loss of profitability. That's what you would consider as business interruption. But those are insurable, what you you call transferable risk, right? But you also have other types of risk that are non-transferable, and sometimes they're uninsurable. And you always hear about brand impacts, reputational impacts, you know, potentially market share impacts, you know, market share, you can probably quantify, but you also have enterprise value impacts. And some sometimes it's such a nebulous topic and not many people can quantify. So what we've done, we've we've been able to quantify what the impact of a long-term disruption could have on a company's enterprise value. And so that's something that has resonated with the C-suite predominantly because now we're changing the conversation from insurable risk to those uninsurable, those ripple effects, those downstream impacts that a significant disruption could have on a company's valuation.
1: So you said some keywords: uh, disruption, ripple effects, uh, sounds like 2020. <laughs> so my question for you, a lot has happened um, in the previous year, 2020, Anywhere from pandemics to significant unemployment, a lot of supply chain disruptions, protests, many of them stemming from racial inequity. So my question is about, you know, what trends are you seeing in the insurance space? So, for example, is there like a protest insurance, (laughs) right? Like, you know, what are some of those trends that you're seeing based upon a lot of the disruption that's happening in the environment?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, one of the biggest things I've seen are supply chain impacts. Uh, I, you see multiple, uh, you know, either they're small disruptions or major disruptions in the supply chain. A lot of companies are operating lean supply chain systems, uh, just-in-time systems. Any small disruption in the supply chain has significant impacts to the way the company operates. And specifically, if you look at uh, auto manufacturers, a lot of auto manufacturers are experiencing that. You can go through and you can see if you're trying to order a car today, it can take three to four months to get that car in because they're reliant on a lot of suppliers. And so a lot of what we do in, within the business versus consulting practice is try to understand what are those pinch points in the supply chain that could lead to an operational hiccup or a significant impact to your business. And so a lot of those things have to be understood quantified. Therefore, you can try to at least try to manage that type of risk. Uh,
1: a couple more questions for you, and I will let you go, but you, you shared so much. I um, would, would love to ask you another question, and it, it's a bit of the devil's advocate side of it. So on a Risk Academy blog titled, Why Risk Community Rejects Science, Logic, and Common Sense by Alex Sidornko. The author argues heat maps, risk management, frameworks, risk appetite statements, risk owners, risk mitigations, et cetera, are nonsense. It's pseudoscience and an an astrology-like agenda. So my question for you is, one, is there truth to any of that? And then secondly, what are your thoughts about how professionals approach risk management in the traditional sense, like what this author described?
0: Yeah, I think what he really speaks to is the emotion of human beings. Uh, as human beings, we're all emotional creatures. But I would argue that we typically, and we, we must use concrete factual data to not only you know, be able to prove something out, but also validate an emotion. So I think we need a combination of both. Obviously we need perception, we need emotion, we need just gut sense but we need to back that up through concrete data, uh, data points. And, and the way we argue is back it up through the business and financial data points that do tell a more compelling story than just pure emotion.
1: Yeah, and I think you align to what I read in the article in terms of where we're getting the data and what's the, what's the real science behind it. So uh, where can our listeners find you for those folks? So who's the right person that should be calling you? And where do they find you?
0: Well, you can start with LinkedIn. Uh, If you're trying to get information about me and about our group and our practice, uh, look me up on LinkedIn. And that's probably the best way to do
1: so. Fantastic. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Aspalis Advisors. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes.